You're listening to the IC interviews from the Investors Chronicle. I'm Dave Baxter, and I'm speaking to Blake Hutchins, co-manager of the Trojan Income Fund. Trojan Income is a UK equity income fund which looks to generate yield, but also has a strong focus on capital preservation and not taking unnecessary levels of risk. We're going to speak about the outlook for dividends and total returns in the UK, as well as discussing the dreaded Brexit. Hi, Blake. Thanks for joining. You you focus on equity income and um, what's gone gone on this year, the dividend cuts, they have raised a lot of questions for um, investors focused on the UK. A question that I wanted to put to you is what level of yield in the UK is now sustainable? It has been a... uh you know, a brutal year for UK dividends. Um, I think it's important just to to have some context going into that question. When you look at the S&P 500, for example, the yield on the S&P 500 is reflective of the market cap weighted basis of the S&P 500, which is dominated by companies that don't have big yields. Now, in the UK, uh, as has been the case for many years, um, the the market cap weighted uh, FTSE all share has been dominated by some large companies that uh, unfortunately have gone into a position where they were probably over-distributing dividends. And they don't necessarily have the rosiest prospects going forward. Um, and that might be because, you know, they're banks or, you know, they're very capital-intensive companies or there's energy companies that are, um, are suffering transitions from that business. And, and basically, the market was very skewed going into 2020. And therefore, the, the index had an illusory... Uh, yield that was very very high. From from the index point of view, the, the index still remains quite dominated by some large companies that will still have quite high dividend yields. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the right yield to take from UK equities. And if you look at it more on a, a level playing field, or look at the median dividend yield of the UK market, it has always been a much more reasonable and a much more uh, comparable number to other indices and to other asset classes. Um, and so going into this year, if the yield on the FTSE all share was, I don't know, let's say it was in excess of four, say four and a half, it looked, the median dividend yield was only two, two and a half. And so that kind of helps you understand that the problem was with a few companies that had very large yields. Cutting to the chase, what is the right yield going forward? Well, it is the right yield that you can get from investing in the right companies. Um, and where we see that, um, today, uh, it's not a number that starts with a four, um, <laughs> and it, it's it's a number that is much healthier and is supported by you know a, a healthy level of free cash flow. And really, when we're looking at new investments, if we can in this environment invest in companies that have free cash flow yields or earnings yields of, of around four, um, four or five percent, and dividends that are half that that's a good position to be in because companies are then in a position to pay half of their free cash flow as a dividend and reinvest the other half for future growth. And it's really important that companies are, are able to do that in order to, to, to grow and to generate good returns for, for investors going forward. And what do you think more generally, I mean, there are lots of questions about um, what the future holds for UK dividends. Um, do you foresee a kind of, a relatively kind of swift return to some of those kind of higher levels we saw, or is it is it kind of a new, um, I suppose, a new paradigm now? 
Mm. I think there is something material that has changed. Um, as I say, going into 2020, let's please not kid ourselves that everything was rosy. Um, that might be a different message than you get from, from other uh, investors. But just because the number, the yield uh, was there in print on paper, it doesn't mean it was going to be realized. And whether it was this year or the year after or the year after, there were certain companies and very large companies in the UK market that were over distributing. And most importantly, did not have and still do not have good growth prospects um, on a medium term view. Um, and But we don't have to invest in those companies. And you'll know from uh, um, and hopefully some some of your listeners will know, um, you know, in the Trojan Income Fund, we're very specific about the kind of companies that we will invest in. Uh, just because they're large in the index, that doesn't mean they're going to court our attention or, or, or our investors' capital. Uh, yeah. Instead, we want to invest in, in a specific kind of company uh, that actually is in a position to, to grow free cash flow on a medium-term view, that have good barriers to entry, that have good growth prospects. And therefore, the yield that you get from those companies may be relatively, um, you know, in a relative basis, slightly lower than you know, the, the, the highest yielders in the market, but they're in a sustainable position to, to grow their dividends. And so your yield on cost or your, 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 the cash stream that you're, you're, you're getting from those companies is going to grow. So um, I do think it, it is a different, uh, uh, there has been a material change. I don't see a recovery in any um, you know, short-term period to the levels that we were at before, but we should not, we should not, Think that that's all bad news. In fact, you know, more prudent dividends, more sensible dividend policies, uh, better reinvestment for future growth um, could be to the to the benefit of total return, which is which is ultimately what what investors are uh, should be most interested in. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose if you were um, if you're someone already sort of relying on portfolio income, um, you this has been very bad news for you, perhaps. Um, but I suppose looking to the future it does perhaps mean that some of those dividends should be on a more sustainable footing and maybe some of the general company fundamentals should look a bit um more more attractive than they did before absolutely um, you you mentioned um obviously there are some really challenged um sectors and companies in the uk market um and uh, the fund has for example notably low exposure to or very little exposure to things like oil and gas um, but what kind of what kind of sectors are standing out in the UK? Um, you know, where where are you getting those kind of more sustainable yields, and where do companies in general look a bit more, a bit stronger, a bit more attractive? Yeah, and I think again, this comes back to um, not getting overly obsessed about the market cap um, weighted basis of, of 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 our index or our market. Um, the UK is has 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 a fantastic collection of companies um, hiding in the index um, and as soon as you can free your mind and, and become unencumbered from a from an index perspective you can you can start to uncover these businesses we've always had some of the best consumer staples companies in the world um, you know and the consumer staples companies are some of the best companies in the world so that is a massive benefit to the, to, to the UK and it's important not to tarnish um, you know some of the disruption that's happening with with some of the large companies in the index with all UK companies. So consumer staples is absolutely an area that, that I would highlight that, that, that we have world-class businesses that have good prospects going forward. You know, even in technology, we have some businesses, okay, we're not ever going to match 
the US or increasingly China in terms of the wealth of technology companies that we have. Um, but again, the, 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 it's, it's, it's misleading when you look at the, the index. If you look at the index, I think our exposure um, to, uh, to software is only one or one and a half percent. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't have some technology companies or companies that are benefiting from technology within the UK. Um, I would highlight companies that we own, such as Experian, which is a data business. It actually sits uh, technically in the support services sector, I think, but mm. it's absolutely a technology business. Um, so Experian's credit, credit ratings, that kind of thing, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So um, consumers may know it as, uh, you know, through, through um, giving them some some credit scores and uh, and credit data but they're really at the heart of of um, many institutions and financial institutions in terms of um of, of legitimizing um credit and uh consumers ability to to take credit uh, and and you know when when more transactions are going online and 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 more um and data is becoming ever more important you know experience uh um, becomes ever more uh, relevant um, in, in, in tomorrow's world. And you can see that through their growth. You know, they've probably averaged uh, 7% compound organic growth in, in recent years, which is, which is fantastic. And, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's a leader in what it does. Other technology companies, um, even within our own industry, the, the savings and investment space, uh, some of the savings platforms, uh, which I'm sure... Um, some of your listeners will, will will be clients of whether that's Hargreaves Lansdowne or AJ Bell or Integrafin, uh, which is actually an advisor platform. You know, this is enabling the digitization of of savings and investment. Um, they sit in the financial sector, but actually these are technology companies, um, and those are just a few examples of, of of the kind of companies that that you can find in the UK that undeniably have um, the kind of economics that we like that have. Um, very good growth prospects that are capital light and therefore they're in this beautiful position where they're they're able to grow whilst generating excess cash and therefore they're in a position to redistribute some of that excess cash back to investors in the form of growing dividends and that's what an income stock to us is it's companies that have genuinely excess cash flow because they are doing well because they're in a good position and, and what they want to do with that excess cash flow is to reward loyal shareholders, loyal investors um, with, with, with a regular dividend payment. And that's very, very different from companies that uh, are kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul and, 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 and really um, choking off future growth or dipping into their balance sheet just to sustain a high dividend payment. Because what investors end up getting is they get, they get sucked in by a high dividend yield but their capital goes backwards. And so if you have a dividend yield of, say, six, but your capital is going backwards, your actual total return is going to be less than six. Uh, yeah. What we want to see is a, a, a companies that give us a healthy dividend yield, say two or three, um, but actually have growth on top. And so our total return is much closer to that double digit level that, that we tend to target. And, and with some of those, um, you've kind of identified some of the, I suppose, some of the kind of winning companies of this year. Um, and it's interesting, and this is just in your in your literature, you mentioned the fact that there are kind of um, obviously household brands that have benefited from um, this increased focus on hygiene and cleanliness in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and I suppose those uh, platforms you mentioned, names like AJ Bell have done very well with some people getting a bit more interested in investing this year. Um, is there 
any concern with with those kind of winners in the current situation that perhaps this is now um kind of a, a peak and um you know is there any temptation there to kind of take profits mm-hmm. i i think it's very difficult when and and what we've seen generally this year, and I'm sure we've all seen it in our own consumption habits and our daily lives, is that some of the trends that were in place have accelerated, whether yeah. that's uh, our shopping online, um, people that you know previously wouldn't have even considered shopping online are, are now having to, uh, actually with one of our international holdings, which is Visa, um, you can see that transition from 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 using cash to using card and from using card to using contactless um and with contactless um limits going from i think in the uk it's gone from what it was probably stopped at 20 pounds and went to 25 it's now 40 and i think it's 45 and, and it could easily go beyond you know just the, some of these trends are accelerating and and you're right some of them will be sustainable some of them are here to stay and some of them you know we should be careful not to to over extrapolate um, so a company like Reckitt Benkiza, of course, there is some excess demand uh, for some of their cleaning products that will not um, be sustained. And we just got to be aware of that. You know, when we look at the the um, what we talk about in terms of lapping their comps, in terms of, um, you know, the sales that they've produced in 2020, can they match those uh, or better them in 2021? For some products, they won't be able to. But that's a reasonably short term um short time period in 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 in, in our world uh, and what's important is you know the long term structural trend and whether it's with population growth and uh, the emergence of uh, of 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 a middle class in 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 various economies you know those are the more important trends for a company like Reckitt Benkiza as is the the, the broader um theme of the digitization of savings um which has many years to run which uh, is probably more impactful over the long term um, than than what you highlight, which is which is probably fair that that there are pockets of uh, super normal demand that 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 won't be uh, that won't be uh, that won't be sustained into next year. But I wouldn't like you to think that you know all of our holdings have have done well, and and that's where it's quite exciting as well mm. um, in terms of some of the consumer staples businesses that we own are actually a little bit more cyclical. So Diageo, which is uh, represents about three percent of the portfolio, uh, and we run quite co- concentrated portfolios. We have an ability to own quite a lot more of Diageo uh, at, at a point in time, and, and and we've been buying more this year. Um, you know, that's a business that, that's obviously not um, that's not benefiting from COVID. What with you know pubs and and bars and um, and also travel retail. You know, if you think about duty free, that's a big channel for Diageo selling there selling their spirits, selling their whiskies and, and the rest. Um, and so that's a business that's actually having quite a difficult time. But again, for us, when we turn it back to, when we when we take a step back and think about the long-term trends uh, and, and the importance of uh, premiumization in, in, in spirits, that spirits are taking share from beer and wine, that, um, that emerging markets are, are adopting Western spirits at, at, at a good rate, you know, that, that enables us, that gives us comfort um, to hold Diageo and to build Diageo in, 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 in a difficult period because the long-term structural trends and, and drivers uh, mm. are very healthy. I, I suppose on the other side of the coin, is there anything um, 
that you've uh, sort of decided to get out of this year anything where um the events of 2020 have kind of fundamentally changed uh, the investment case i think that's that's right um again it comes back to this acceleration uh and and the company's ability to to deal with that acceleration of trends and structural trends is um, it's, it's really being tested. I, I, I'd highlight one company, which is Land Securities, which we've exited. Now, the problem was Land Securities wasn't growing too fast or, or at all, really heading into 2020. And it was really a, a they had a, a you know a medium-term um, um, kind of transition that they needed to go through, um, and, th- and they were on on that path. But um, if you look at some of these trends and the acceleration of um, people working from home, whether that's, uh, that that impacts, you know, office space, uh, people shopping more um, online, that that impacts physical retail, um, and so that's a company that you know in in March and and, and April, um, when we saw such great opportunities in some high quality growth companies that were really sold off slightly indiscriminately, um, and we can talk about some of those that we picked up um, uh, later if you like. Um, you know, in a, in a reasonably fully invested equity fund, uh, there's an opportunity cost of capital. And so, you know, that is an area of the market that you know, physical retail and, and being landlords to physical retail and even to office space uh, in the UK looks quite challenged. Um, and therefore, uh, that is an example of a company that, that we took action on and, and, and sold in March and April in favour of some, some high quality companies that have subsequently albeit it's only a short period of time, uh, have performed very well and it's, it's been the right move. Are there any um, companies you've been backing that you would kind of view as um, being very contrarian um, or some of those kind of out-of-favor areas where you think actually maybe the market is kind of overreacting to what's going on in the shorter term? Yeah, I mean, we, the Trojan Income Fund has always placed that it's core uh, preservation of capital so first and foremost we want to protect our investors capital and then grow it and and we want to grow it in a reasonably predictable way and we don't want to expose our investors to outsized levels of volatility and and that's i think very well understood by by our investors and you know you can you can be assured that it's very very well understood by us as investment managers and so you know taking Large contrarian bets um, uh, is is not is not something that 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 we do lightly. Um, that being said, you know there are always areas of your portfolio where you have disagreements with the market, and I think the best example of that over the past couple of years has been in Domino's Pizza. Now, Domino's Pizza, uh, in a way, was was almost a uh, it was what I would call a, a, a dream um, new purchase in terms of uh, for an income investor. Fundamentally, it's a good business. Um, Domino's Pizza does not own all of the shops that you see around the country, the hundreds of Domino's Pizzas that you see around the UK. Uh, they have a very capital-like franchise model where they own the central infrastructure that, that, that produces the dough and the toppings and the rest. Um, they have central marketing that that help the individual franchisees, but the beauty of the model is that they don't require, the, they don't deploy the capital and, and the staff and the rest to to um, to get the individual shops working. 
and um, and and therefore they 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 earn very attractive economics, um, and it's a very cash generative, capital light uh, company, and therefore is is in a very good position to pay dividends over a long period of time. Now, Domino's Pizza, for various reasons, lost its has lost its way um, at the margin over the past few years. Um, we've had uh, some very uh, encouraging management change over recent years, over sorry, over recent months and in the past year or year and a half. Uh, and 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 some of the actions that they're taking is really uh, aimed at re- returning Domino's uh, to its to its you know former glory. It's also quite a good stock for 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 or, or a good company for the current environment as people are having to stay home and. And you've seen in the US and in the UK and in our other big markets like Australia, there has been a an increase in demand for 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 pizza and for for delivery. And so, you know, I'd say that is a, a prime example of a company that fundamentally um, is a good business, has good long term um, potential, but for some reason or another, in the short term, the market was discounting it. And I think that's a very different case to being out and out. Um, picking battles with companies that are in structural decline, which um, I, I, I fully respect other investors like to do, but is not really what what we aim to do. We want to to to, to compound in a reasonably predictable way our investors' capital. What I found interesting, um, I mean, this isn't specific to the UK, but what's been interesting this year, I suppose, is you have seen that flight to certain assets and certain companies that have been kind of big winners whether it is kind of um quality companies or the fang stocks in the us or things like gold um whereas some of those kind of uh unloved sectors are now looking really really unloved and really cheap but it's becoming a very um binary play i suppose Mm. the market is very polarized and it has been for quite a few years look we have to be very careful with this label of value um Mm. because in certain cases, there will be mean reversion. You know, mean reversion is a strategy that a lot of investors like to take, but we've got to be careful about which battles we pick. Um, physical retail is only going one way. There will be winners. Uh, in fact, I've just come off a, 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 an investor call with with one of our holdings, which is Next, um, with, with you know, the, the highly regarded and justifiably so CEO, uh, Simon Wolfson. Um, and we think Next will be one of the survivors and, and actually thrivers on a very long-term view. But you know, physical retail is there. Are, there will factually there will be less people buying buying um, their goods in store. Um, there were there are less than there were five years ago, and there'll be less in five years, and there'll be less in five years. Whereas you know, online trends are only going one way. That is not a controversial statement. So so picking a battle with with companies that are not well placed within a declining end market is is really 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 um should come with health warnings and uh, to make money in in declining businesses is over a long period of time is is very difficult you may be able to to offload that asset at a at a higher price to someone else who's willing to pay a higher price than than you than you are um, in the short term, but really over a long period of time, and, and I'm talking over, you know, a year, three years, five years, seven years, ten years, which is our, our kind of time horizon. It's very, very hard to to make money in declining businesses. And so, when you think about what's happening in the world and and, and the risks that are out there, the fact that 
you know, interest rates are, are are basically at zero. And I think that needs to be you know, we need to we need to remember that, um, and and we need to remember the 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 backdrop in which we are investing, um, because you know things have changed, and and um, and we are investing in a very peculiar backdrop. And therefore, I think when you understand the context and and the backdrop in which we invest, you know, some of these these trends that you're rightly picking out make a lot more sense to me um, than perhaps they do to others. Yeah. And, and do you, out of interest, do you find many, I imagine not, but many examples like Next where there is um, a company that is kind of bucking a trend in an otherwise kind of declining sector? I think Next is a, is a great example of that and because they have changed. And, and this is a really good lesson, I think, for investors as well, is that Next is not bucking a trend by sticking to what it did and what it became successful uh, doing. Next is fundamentally changing their business model. Um, yes, they have their own stores, but increasingly they're an aggregator for third-party brands. And you have so many brands that are struggling to make money online. Um, and what Next can do is through decades of expertise and the scale that they have in the UK is solve some of those problems for these third-party brands. And that is a really interesting business model that, frankly, other retailers just can't replicate. Um, and to the extent that Next have it as their mission for these third-party brands uh, that use you know, these aggregators and these, these channels such as Next or ASOS or Zalando and the rest, um, Next is determined to be the most profitable um, channel for these brands. And I think ultimately um, that makes um, that makes Next proposition over a very long period of time quite hard to, to emulate. Um, so yes, there are pockets where we think that that is the case, but let's be clear, it's not a foregone conclusion that Next is successful. And when we think about constructing portfolios, um, there's there's the two elements of potential return and then the risk around that return. And so next, you know, is is we've got to be aware that it's it's operating in a cyclical sector with with structural issues, uh, and therefore position size needs to needs to um, reflect that. But in general, you know, picking fights with 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 very um, clear structural trends or, or and, and trying to swim against that tide. Um, in my experience, is very difficult. And of course, at the minute, um, you know the the big uh, thing overhanging us is, as you mentioned, the the pandemic um, that's affecting investment decisions. But the UK does also have um, Brexit down the line, um, everyone's favourite subject. And uh, I guess it'd be interesting to hear um, how, if at all, um, you are kind of positioning the fund in light of that continued uncertainty mm. so our fund uh, the trojan income fund will, has historically been um quite overseas focused mm. in terms of the revenues that our companies earn uh, and that makes sense we like companies that are large are diversified are leaders in what they do uh, and then they, they therefore tend to be quite international in their in their nature. Our biggest holding in the in the, in the fund is is Unilever. Um, you know, whilst it's UK listed, um, it's uh, it's got a, a single digit percentage of its revenues coming from the UK. And and I could say that for for many holdings in the fund. So I would say just just structurally, uh, by virtue of the fact we like international companies that and and successful companies. 
and, and high quality companies. They tend to be, um, I suppose, short for the UK versus um, some of our peers that may have more mid cap strategies or smaller cap strategies. So I think that's an important thing to understand about the Trojan Income Fund. We tend to have a bias towards overseas companies anyway. Look, if we can find um, great businesses in the UK that have pure exposure to the UK market, Brexit won't stop us investing in those. Um, I've already talked about some of the savings platforms. We like the fact they're just UK businesses. Uh, they're not charging into into other geographies and um, where they don't have their expertise. If we can invest in UK champions, uh, irrespective of Brexit, we will do that. Uh, I think it's a select group of companies that are that that are in that uh, in that field, and um, we own a lot of them that we, we we've identified, and there's a couple that we do not. Um, but we tend to look beyond Brexit in terms of assessing their ability to create value for our investors over a long period of time. Um, we're certainly not positioning the fund, um, you know, overly negatively or positively for Brexit. Mm. We don't want to be exposed one way or the other. And really, you know, the company economics and the fundamentals of the businesses are are more important to us uh, with the caveat um, that, and, and, and I suppose, as I said before, um, investors should understand that we tend to have an overseas bias uh, to our to our investing so you could you could potentially have a bit of a challenge if we do um if we do eventually end up with a scenario where we have more clarity and sterling strengthens um, i think it's more a case of there there could be best if, if you were looking to play that um yeah. there would be funds that will benefit from that more than we will yeah fair enough um was there anything else you thought it was interesting to kind of highlight about what's going on in the UK market? No, I mean, I think um, I would just reiterate, just to, I suppose, sum up some of our conversation is, is just imploring investors, listeners, readers to, to look beyond the index. Um, the UK is, um, you know, one of the largest in, largest markets in, in the world. We actually have some of the highest quality companies in the world are aggregate return on capital, which is one of the better measures of, of quality that we look at, is high versus a lot of other uh, markets. Um, and, and so looking beyond those companies that tend to dominate the headlines because they are the biggest, because they are the most volatile, because they have the highest yields, actually looking under the bonnet, there are you know, tens and tens and tens of companies um, that are worthy of investors' capital. Um, and and therefore, I would implore UK investors not to be too downbeat on our companies um, and look beyond uh, some of the headlines to uncover some of these companies that are really well positioned on a long-term view. And I do think, you know, we are investing in, in times that that, that structural changes are accelerating, that there is material change, that mean reversion is not a foregone conclusion. And therefore, thinking about positioning a fund, a portfolio for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, um, with valuation in mind, of course, but mm. balancing um, valuation and yield with companies that are in a position to grow is, is, is the right strategy. And it's the strategy that we are taking. Uh, on the Trojan Income Fund. Yeah, yeah. So individual companies rather than just the uh, very public woes of the UK market. Absolutely. Um, 
Brilliant. Well, uh, thanks very much for taking the time um, to chat. Thanks, David. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.